0: Hello, and welcome to the Loft Podcast. This week, we will be continuing our God So Loved series. Get ready to have your thinking challenge and your faith turned up. So good morning. It's so good to be here today. Um, honestly, the, uh, I just i am so happy. It's like I don't feel like we're visiting. I feel like we're family, and you guys are just awesome. I love this church love the worship. Um, I just, you guys are just so friendly and welcoming and hospitable. So uh, I just really feel like we're amongst family this morning. We got to know Scott and Lisa a couple of months ago. Uh, I've met them three times. Andrew's only met them twice. And I just think they're awesome. And one thing I really like about them is I think they're very authentic. And that's that's a, a very valuable trait these days is, is being authentic and finding people who really speak from within and who really have that passion and love. And it's not just an outward action. It, it's, it's authenticity. It comes from within. So you guys, I think, are very blessed here at the loft to have them as pastors. And, um, you know, she kind of said something about my wife being an, an MMA fighter. So we're a little crazy. People call us a little crazy because we went to the Philippines. All of our kids were born there. And when I met Scott and Lisa, I liked it because I thought, I think they're a little crazy, too. So we're like-minded in that. And um, if it's okay, I'm just going to pray because I really got something I believe the Lord has, has shared on my heart for this morning. And it really impacted me getting ready for it. And so I know that, that God is going to speak right now. So let's just, Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, Lord, uh, for everything. We thank you that we're together. We thank you, Lord, for this, this family that's here. Lord, we thank you, Lord, as you have some amazing plans that have already begun. Lord, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your plans have already begun. They're in motion right now, and they're just going to get more awesome as we continue to obey you, as we continue to follow you, as we continue to listen to you, Lord, as we continue to just pursue you. Lord, your plans are going to unfold right in front of us. Lord, even though we can't always see them, even though we don't always know what's around the next corner or what's going to be in this month or the next year, Lord, even though we don't know what's going to happen with our health and and our family and our friends and our jobs, we we can't plan all those things out, but the one thing we can always depend on is you, the rock of our faith, the rock of our salvation. Lord, we give you this time. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. I got to get into it because I'm going to try and keep it under three hours. That's, that's just a joke. Just breaking the ice. Just breaking the ice. Yeah, thank you. It has to. Yeah, it's got to. Yeah. First John 4, 7 through 8. Let's get into it. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. Listen to this. For God is love. It doesn't say that God is really good at love. It doesn't say that love is a trait that God has really mastered. It doesn't say that God just just gives of love. It says God is love. I want to apologize to the camera person right now because I'm a mover, but I'll try to stay in one area. God is love. It's in his it's in his very being, it's in his core. It's in his genetics. It's down. If you, if you could take a microscope on God and look at what makes him him, you would just see little hearts everywhere. Because God is love. It is what makes him who he is. It is what comprises him into his being is love. Love is so amazing. When he spoke and he put the light in the day and he separated. And when he, when he spent those six days of creation, it was all out of love. When he made Adam so he could have a relationship to walk with a man, it was out of love. When he saw that Adam was lonely and needed a companion, he made Eve out of love. Because love motivates everything that he does. It always has, and it always will. Love is the answer. When he knits you together in your mother's womb, you can see Psalm 139 or Jeremiah 1 or somewhere in Isaiah. When God knits you together in your mother's womb, it was out of love. And he did. He did knit you together. He did put you, every little piece and part of you, the parts you like and the parts that you probably don't like. God knit you together in your mother's womb for a reason, for a purpose. And he did it out of love. When we experience God's love, when we experience worship like we did this morning, when we experience coming into his presence, we're touched by his love. And when God's love is there, only one thing can happen, and that's that we must be transformed. God's love is transformational. There's no other outcome. When you experience God's love, the only outcome is that your life is transformed. That's it. The presence of God around us, the presence of God inside of us, the presence of God flowing through us is a transformational process. It makes me more and more like him, I pray, Each and every day, more and more that my decisions get better and better, that I speak more truth and truth each and every day as his love flows in me and through me, because it has to. Love is transformational. But the problem is when you say to someone, I love you, you notice that sometimes it means very different things. When I say I love you and when someone else hears I love you, we can have completely different contextual meanings. Because maybe for that person, love is not great in their experience. Maybe for that person, the people who said that they loved them really hurt them or abused them or abandoned them. The people who said they loved them weren't there for them. Because sin ruined everything. That's the question people always ask. If God is real, why is there famine? Why is there starvation? Why is there pain and hurt? Why is there abandonment? Why is there all these things? Because sin ruined everything except by the awesome redeeming grace of God. I should get to my notes at some point. For example, when we sing the song, I don't know if you guys have ever sang the song, Good, Good Father. Have you ever sang that song? The Good, Good Father. Okay. When we sang that song in the Philippines, there would just be 20, 30, 40, 50 young people in their teens and in their early 20s, and they would just be sobbing. And I noticed it time after time after time again that we sang Good, Good Father, they would just begin to bawl and break. Why? Because in their contextual meaning, their father was not good. Many times their father was not there. Many times the fathers have two or three or even four different families. Jumping from one to the next. So when they hear about this God who actually loves them, who is a father who actually cares about them, it's a life changer. For some people, the word father means abandonment. Right? We have different meanings when I say I love you and when you hear that I love you. And when you tell someone else that you love them, the way that you mean it and the way that they hear it might not always be the exact same. In fact, it probably almost always won't be the exact same. Because life experiences and and, and being raised in this world full of sin has hurt our hearts, our souls, our beings. If you read through Genesis 3, obviously we don't have time today. Genesis 3, uh, Adam and Eve are in the garden, and they're in relationship with God in the perfect way, the way it was supposed to be. They're walking with God daily. They're talking with him. He's right there next to them. And then Satan comes to Eve, and he says three different things. And if you read the account of Satan also trying to tempt Jesus, it's, it's pretty close to this, right? He, he basically tried the same three things. With Eve, he said first, he said, did God really say you can't eat that? Are you sure you heard God? Are you sure that's what God said? I think you misunderstood him. I think he said, you know, maybe eat it, maybe don't. He questioned the word of God. What's been happening in our society for the last couple of decades, especially, we begin to question the word of God. Is it true or is it not? The second thing he said to Eve was, you won't die. Surely you won't die, right? That's what he told Eve, even though God said that she would. And the third thing is Satan said to her, no, you're going to be like him. You're going to be a God yourself. And today the things that you and I face, pretty close to the same thing. Are we really hearing the true word of God? Is God lying to us? Did he abandon us? Can I be a God in and of myself? So we know the story. Eve ate. Adam came over. Adam ate of the apple. He wasn't supposed to. The Bible says sin entered through Adam. So what happened in that that moment is very important because up until this point, Adam and Eve are walking in the garden and they're talking and they're in relationship with God, right? And they know him. But when they ate and when they sinned and when they disobeyed his word, they had to be sent out of the garden, which is representation of the relationship having to be broken. They couldn't be with God anymore. They just couldn't. Because in our sinful self, we die when we look upon God. The closest one who came to it in the Old Testament, I think, was Moses, who saw the back of God as he walked by. But he was forever changed. His face shined when he came down. So they couldn't be with God anymore, and the relationship was broke, and they were sent out of the garden. And God's redemption plan began to kick in for the course of thousands of years. Why? Because God is love. Because he loves you and he loves me. So what did he do? He began his redemption plan. If you read through the Old Testament, we get into the part where he starts to deliver Israel and he takes them out of Egypt, right? And he's leading them and he's up in the sky. So when he moves, they move. And when he stops, they stop. And then he says, build a tabernacle. And this is where we're, our message today is tearing through the veil, tearing through the curtain. So what he did is he said, all right, build this tabernacle, make these, this dimensions." I'm not going to get into it. And they had a veil or a curtain in the temple that was six inches thick by most accounts. And that's where the presence of God would go in when they stopped somewhere because he couldn't be with the people yet because sin had ruined everything. So he's inside this area. You didn't know that that God was quarantined, didn't you? That's another pastor joke. Thank you. It's original, though. I mean, within the past year or so. God was the first one to quarantine because he had to stay inside his curtain. He had to stay inside his veil. His presence couldn't be outside of it because it wasn't time yet. Jesus hadn't come, and we weren't ready for the presence. And he was in there. He'd get out, and he'd move, and they'd follow, and then he'd stop, and they'd re-put the temple up, and he'd go back in, in the Holy of Holies, behind this thick veil, behind this thick curtain. And we know the redemption plan, John 3, 16, for God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It was love that compelled Jesus to come on the earth, down from his throne, down from his comforts, down from being a ruler. It was love that compelled him to come down on the earth. It was love that compelled him to live as a man. It was love that compelled him to, to make all these friendships, even though he knew that some of these friends were going to, one was going to betray him, right? Some were going to deny him. Some are going to abandon him, and yet he still chose to make them his friends, to make them his disciples. It was love that compelled Jesus all the way to the cross. The Bible says he could have called on a legion of angels to rescue him, but he loved us so much that he took that walk of shame and pain. About three weeks ago, we were driving in St. Charles, and there's there's people who stand near the stoplights and they have homeless signs, and they usually will describe what happened. And we're there together as a family, and, and Eliana's in the back, and she has her art pad. She loves to draw. She's very creative. And she said, Dad, I want to give him a picture that I drew. And I said, a picture? I said, I don't have any money. I don't have anything to give him. You know, he's standing there with a sign. I just, I, I don't, you know? And so the light changed, and I went on, and she was sad. She said, he reminded me of the Philippines standing there with that sign and being homeless. And for some reason, we went there, we went back home, and then I had to go back out with Eliana again, and I think Isaac, and we had to go back out, and we stopped there at that same stoplight, which is red again, and the same guy is there, and Eliana again says, Dad, I want to give him the picture I drew. Oh, so I scrambled. I found a protein bar in the console. So I grabbed the protein bar. I said, hurry up for light changes. She ripped off the picture. I got the picture in the protein bar. I rolled down the window. I said, my man, the light turned green, but people behind me saw what was happening, so I think they didn't lay on the horn right away, right? I said, my man, and I handed him the protein bar and the picture that my daughter drew, and I said, my daughter drew this for you, and she wants you to have it. And if I could somehow replicate his voice and his eyes and the way that his whole composure changed when he said, are you serious? Your daughter drew this for me? And I said, yeah, my man, she drew it for you. She wants you to have it. And he looked back through the tinted window, and his whole composure had changed, and he was beginning to tear up, and he said, thank you. For some reason, love doesn't always even compel me to get off the couch. Love doesn't compel me to answer my phone at 11 o'clock at night when I want to go to bed and somebody's calling me. It doesn't compel me to get out of my house and go into uncomfortable situations where I don't know people. But this love that God has, this love that Jesus had, compelled him all the way to the cross. In Matthew 27, 50 through 51, here it is, the moment. He's hanging on the cross his time. Jesus. Then Jesus shouted again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary, the veil, what I've been talking about, right? What God had to make, where his presence was sitting inside because he couldn't be around us at the time, right? He wasn't ready. When Jesus shouted and his spirit was lifted, it says the veil tore from top to bottom. We're not talking about a thin piece of veil like this, right? By most accounts, it was six inches thick. It tore from top to bottom, which which was a, a, an example, no, a word. It was a semblance of God's spirit being released back to us. The veil tore. Jesus had died. He completed his mission. The presence of God no longer had to be inside this tabernacle behind these veils. It went out, and it was released to us. And now we, you and I, have the privilege and the honor and the ability to have Jesus Christ inside of our lives as our Lord and Savior, and to have the Holy Spirit inside of us working in us and through us each and every day. It is so amazing that as soon as he shouted, the veil tore, and the presence of God was released. God was no longer quarantined. We're talking about love that tears through the veil or rips open the curtain, we're talking about a love that overcomes, the love that saw Jesus hanging on the cross, an act of, 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 that ultimately tore the veil and released the spirit with us. So the veil is anything that holds us back from reaching others and making kingdom impact. The veil in our lives is anything that holds us back and prevents us from reaching others and making kingdom impact. Okay, that's the intro. Now I'm really going to hurry now through this. Thank you. I appreciate it from one pastor to another. <laughs> no, I, I usually, half my time is intro because the Lord just really worked on me this week. John 15, 9 through 17. I don't, yeah, okay. Well, wow, you, you guys are good. A little bit of a long read here, but let's do it. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. One quick thing. Now, remember... <clears throat> We're in John 15, so we're heading up to 16, 17, 18. We're heading up to where Jesus knows it's coming. The time of crucifixion is coming. Do you know when you spend time with someone you love and care about and you know that time is almost done? Maybe you have to leave, get on a plane, or maybe their health is in question you're not going to see him or you're not sure if you're going to see him again. You know that moment that you spend with him in the last couple of minutes or hours, you really make the most of it, right? You think to yourself, I might never see my uncle again. So I'm going to let him know how much I love him and how much he how much I appreciate everything he's done for me and how much I'm going to miss him. If this happens, or that happens. You make the most of the time. Now Here we have Jesus in John chapter 15. He's heading. He's heading up towards the end of his time. And he starts to say things that are the most important. He says, "Okay, my disciples are ready now. I'm going to go deeper into the truth. I'm going to say the things that need to be said before I leave. So let's not read this lightly. I have loved you, even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Some translations say, abide in my love. When you obey my commandments, you you remain in my love, just as I obey the Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things, that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything that the Father has told me, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Come on. Tearing through the veil will require a giving of ourselves. It just does. You don't get anything unless you put it in, put in the work, unless you give to it. He said, I have loved you. Even as the Father has loved me, remain in my love. Jesus was the ultimate example of giving from within and giving of of himself. If you read through the New Testament, you'll see several times that Jesus had to to withdraw from the crowds. He had to withdraw from the the thousands of people who gathered together. There's probably a lot of reasons why, but let's look at two. One, the people thought that Jesus was going to be their earthly savior. They wanted to make him king time and time again. Because they misread the scripture. They thought that God was going to send somebody to free them from the Romans or to free them from the government or to free them from the oppression they're facing now. So time and time again, they tried to make Jesus their king. And he said, that's not why I'm here. I'm here to to give a spiritual and an everlasting life. So he withdrew when they started talking about making him a king. The second thing is he was probably exhausted because giving of yourself can be exhausting. Ministry can be exhausting. And I'm talking about even those who work nine-to-fives or whatever your job is. I'm hoping that you're representing Christ as an ambassador of Jesus at your job, at your vocation, at whatever you do. It can be exhausting. He, was, he had a physical body like us. He was hungry. He was tired. He had to withdraw the recharge. And he knew that he could only give from what he had within. We have to remember that God is Love. And he gives literally from within his core being and who he is. That is why we must remain in him. At the same time, we got to remember that society is very tired of fake people. They just are. I don't blame them. I was raised in church. My parents pastor. I, I was born in church, you know, raised and moved around, but from church to church to church. There's authentic people. There's non-authentic people. That's, that's life. I don't pin that on God personally, but some people do. The second point is tearing through the veil will require authenticity. We have to be authentic. We just have to be who we are. We just have to. In verses 11 through 13, I already read it, but it says, I have told you these things that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, our joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. There's three basic types of love. And there's if you're a scholar, you can tell me there's four or five or six. That's fine. But there's three that we find in the Bible I want to talk about right now. One is called agape love, which is unconditional love. Agape love, when you read through the Bible and you read the word love, sometimes there's different roots that come to it, right? So one is agape love. That's God's love. That is just from me to you. I love you and I love you, and I love you, and you get a car. No, and I love you, and I love you, right? It's that, it's that God loves us unconditionally without asking anything in return. He just loves us because he is love. And that's agape love. A second kind of love called phileo or Philadelphia love, that's like a brotherly love. That's like, I love you, and you love me, and we reciprocate in our love. And those are the kind of friendships that usually kind of make us uh, feel recharged. And like the Bible says, iron sharpening iron, right? It's phileo love. It's reciprocal. It's brotherly love. But the third kind of love we have to be careful of is called eros love. The problem with eros love is it pretends to be agape love. It pretends to be unconditional, but there's really a hook in it. And it's a selfish love. And it says, I love you if you do this for me. I love you. Now you owe me this. It's a selfish love. We have agape love, which is God's unconditional love, phileo love, which is our brotherly love, and eros love, which is a self-seeking, self-serving love. How do you love your husband or wife? How do you love your children? How do you love everyone else in this church? How do you love your neighbors? How do you love your community? Are we at a point now where we can do this agape love, I just love you because God loves you, and it's unconditional or are we in a point right now in our life, maybe, where in some relationships, we got this arrows thing going on. I love you, but you owe me. Or I'll talk to you if you do what I want. If you don't do what I want, I won't talk to you. All right, a very self-seeking love. Everything we do of impact in this world, everything we do that will make a significant kingdom impact has to come from within. I'm constantly evaluating what kind of love do I have. Am I loving this person because God loves them, or am I loving them because they're the biggest tither in the church? Right? Am I loving this person because God loves them, or am I loving them because they always come through and and help me in my time of need? It's great that they help me in my time of need. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, what's my motive? And what kind of love do I give, do I have? One important thing to remember is that we tend to judge ourselves by our motives, and we judge others by their actions. I'll say it again. I judge myself by my motive, but I judge you by your action. What I mean is if I hurt your feelings, I can be like, oh, I didn't mean it that way. No, what I meant was this and that, and then I thought about this. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. You're taking it wrong because I trust my motive. But when you hurt my feelings, I don't care about the motive, right? No, you hurt me. I don't care about your motive. And many times in life, even as Christ followers, when we're building relationships, when we're helping people who tend to, to not live up to our expectations, right, we can judge ourselves by our motives, but we judge them by their actions. But God's love is unconditional. God's love is I love you because I knit you together in your mother's womb. I love you because you're my creation. I love you because I love Scott and Lisa. I love Scott and Lisa because we're on mission together. It's that simple. And the third point, believe it or not, I'm almost done. Modeling the way, I'll say it this way, tearing through the veil. Right, We're talking about tearing through the veil. Tearing through the veil will require relationship and consistently modeling the way. This is kind of like authentic, but more about even our actions and deeds. If you read Luke 9.23, it says, I'm paraphrasing here, but you have to deny yourself, you have to carry the cross, and you have to daily follow me. Being a Christ follower is a choice. It just is. We have the one choice where we make him the savior of our life because we realize, oh, I'm going to go to hell if I don't, right? So we make him the savior of our life. And then beyond that, every morning I wake up, I have a choice. Am I going to make him the Lord of my life today? In other words, am I going to deny myself and follow him today? Or am I going to serve Mike's agenda today? It is. It's just a daily choice. And we model the way. We show other people the way when we choose to carry our cross daily. As heavy as it may feel. In verse 15 of what we already read, he said, Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. Friendship is a powerful tool. It just is. It's sad to me that I know a lot of people, and we spent time together, but for some reason, it doesn't always feel like we're friends, like there's something missing in the relationship. John 13, 35, I think 13, 35 says, The world will know you are my disciples by your love. I'm paraphrasing again, but... The world will know you're my disciples by how you love each other or by your love for one another. Jesus had moments of friendship that he really appreciated. I'm getting towards the closing here. This is really important. He had moments of friendship that he really appreciated, which is amazing given the fact that he knew some of his disciples would turn on him. Some would deny him. One would be the one to betray him. He knew what was going to happen, and yet he still, I think Jesus really had moments of friendship and fellowship that he really loved with his disciples. I think when he sat with Nicodemus, it was just a time that he loved. The time at the table, the the time of fellowship, the time of community, the time of building together. And, And here's the thing, make sure I say it right. Jesus didn't let the pain of tomorrow's hurt stop him from loving today. Jesus didn't let the pain of tomorrow's hurt stop him from loving today. This is something my wife is really good at. I'm not. We helped 100 kids in the Philippines over the 13 years we were there. And most of them started making decisions we didn't like, <laughs> that we didn't think was the best for them. And I was the kind of guy like, OK, you got me once, it's fine. You got me twice, it's fine. Third time, I'm like, all right, you make your own choice. You do you. you know. And Andrea's like, no, we just got to keep loving them. We just got to keep reaching them. We just got to keep hoping that next time they'll make the right decision. It's hard to love today when we're afraid we're going to be hurt tomorrow. It just is. It's hard to build relationships today when we're afraid that they might burn down tomorrow. It's hard to invite people to church today when we're afraid they might reject us and not come tomorrow. There's all these fears of of the future and, and worrying about how things are going to turn out. And Jesus says, just be where you are and be with who you're with. We have to love people regardless of the possibility of the hurt or pain that it might bring us. Jesus obeyed the Father, and we know he had all authority. He could have summoned angels at any time. How much more should you and I follow the Father's command? We love our neighbors. We try our best to model the way of loving God regardless of whether or not they look like me, they talk like me, they walk like me. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to love you because you're you. That's it. doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, tall or short, thin or wide, whatever it is. I love you for you, and to the best of my ability, with that agape love, I love you because you're God's son and daughter. It's a daily decision. And my question this morning, what are the veils in our life, what are the curtains in our life that are preventing us from loving others? What are the veil or curtains in our life that are preventing us from loving the people we work with or the people we go to church with or our noisy neighbors who keep banging on the wall (laughs) or that neighbor who keeps, you know, crossing over the property line, whatever it is. What are the things in our life that are preventing us from tearing through it just like Jesus did and showing God's love and God's welcoming and God's community And beyond that, that's one question for others, but beyond that, what's the veil in our life that's keeping God out of me? Maybe I say, God, you're allowed to have this part of my heart, but this part of my heart is mine. See, I've got a veil around it. You can't come in because I'm not ready to give you that. What are the areas in our life that maybe God has been saying to you, give this to me, give this to me, give this to me, but we're just not able yet to tear through that veil and to let God be God, and to let his transformational love inside of our heart change the way we think, the the way we talk, the way we hear, the way we see others. Eliana saw that homeless man at the stoplight much differently than I did. In this argument, she saw him probably more as God saw him than I did, which is ironic because I spent 13 years in the Philippines doing stuff like that, right? Ministry like that. Can we stand together this morning? I should have called the worship team. You get a little guitar in the background. Even just guitar is okay. It's just, or you can whatever. The whole team is. It's up to you. I'm flexible. We're just going to respond. We're just going to respond. That's all we're going to do. I usually say, if you want to, raise your hand. I'm going to assume that we all want God's love. I'm going to assume that we all the best plan that Jesus has for our life. I'm going to assume that we all understand there's areas in our life where there's veils, where there's curtains that we've put up to block out other people, or to block out pain, or to block out rejection, or to block out hurt. And because those veils are there, we can't be healed by God. Because those veils are there, we can't be fully restored yet by God. Because those veils are there, we have things holding us back. And it's time to let the veil rip from top to bottom. It's time. It's time to let go of the hurt. It's time to let go of the rejection. It's time to let go of the pain. I don't know your story, but I know the God who knows all about your story. I know the God who knits you together in your mother's womb. Maybe you woke up some days thinking, I don't matter. Why am I alive? The thing I ask people is, why are you breathing today? And a lot of times, they can't give an answer. And sometimes in my own life, I've been there. I don't know why I'm breathing today. Because it's automatic. And God is looking and he's saying, my son, my daughter, I'm telling you, I created you awesomely with love for a purpose, for a destiny. You have something to do. You have a mission to accomplish. It may not be the thing that you want. It may not be the exact way that you want. You know, it may not be what your mind says it should be, but I'm telling you, the pathway is there. Trust me and follow and I'll take you to it. So many people, especially when we we're in the Philippines, we met lots of business people and they made so much money, but they're some of the unhappiest people I've ever met. They just are. Not everybody. But what happened is they dedicated their whole lives in the building success, 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 and then they get to the top of the pyramid and it's lonely and they're like, What good is this success when I haven't made any impact? So we have this conversation about going from success to significance. Significance is following the plan that God has for you significance is understanding if he gave you a voice to sing by god go and sing for the kingdom if he gave you the personality to talk and evangelize then go and evangelize for the kingdom whatever gifts he's given you i can't sing like that i can't play drums like that but i have different things that god has given me and you each and every person here today have something that god has given you i promise you if you don't believe me look here This is the ultimate truth. Yesterday, today, and forevermore. It cannot lie. And this says you have a purpose. And this says you have a destiny. And this says God put you on this earth for a reason. Can we just just lift our hands? I don't usually do this. Everybody, can you just lift your hands? Just a little bit. I know. Just lift your hands a little bit. Jesus, we invite you right now. Tear through the veil inside of my life. Lord, tear through the veil inside of our life. Lord, first tear the veil that's keeping you out. Lord, the areas in my life I haven't been ready to give to you, the pains and the hurts and the rejections and the, and the missed expectations and the feelings of failure that are just stuck and all pushed down in the corner of my heart, and I've just i put those off, Lord. Tear through that veil this morning. We invite your Holy Spirit to work inside of us in a brand new way, to go into places you haven't gone before, to search my heart and know, and to expose the things that I still need to give to you. Lord, secondly, we want to be used by you. Lord, tear through the veil of excuses. Tear through the veil of things that stop us from going out every day and doing what you've asked us to do. Lord, tear through the, through the veil of fear that causes us not to, not to share of your goodness with others. Lord, we want to love other people even though it might hurt, even though it might turn out the way we want it to. We want to love them because you first loved us. Lord, tear through the veil that stops us from making kingdom impact. Jesus, I thank you so much for this church for our Foursquare family. Oh, God, I thank you. I know you've already been doing awesome things here. I know it. I can sense it. I can feel it. It's in in my bones. I know you've already done something awesome here, but I know that you've got much more to do. I know that the 100 people helped is someday going to be 1,000 people helped. I just know it. I know, Lord, that you're going to use this congregation, this family, in in, in awesome ways. You already are, but you're going to continue to use them in more awesome ways, and you're going to continue to open up new doors for them. So, Father, I pray for wisdom for this church. I pray for wisdom, Lord, that Lisa and Scott would know, and all the other leadership team, Lord, they would know what doors to go through and what doors to close. Or that they would know when to say yes and when to say no. Or that they would know when to advance and when to wait on you. Jesus, we thank you. Tear through the veils of complacency in our life today. Give us a new boldness to go out and to evangelize and to lead others to you. Lord, I love these two hours every Sunday morning, but they're nothing in comparison to the 166 other hours that we have this week. Let us worship you in those 166 hours. Let us be intimate with you in relationship, in our Bible, reading your word in those 166 hours. Lord, help us to declare your truth and your goodness in those 166 hours. Jesus, I thank you for this family. It's so precious. I feel so at peace this morning, and it's your presence. As you rest on this church, Lord, we just believe and know that it expands the community. expands to everyone north south east and west that your goodness and your peace and your mercy and your love is given to everyone use us as your ambassadors we thank you lord for your love we thank you lord for all you've given Jesus we give you all the praise and glory I thank you for this time we've had today it's in your name we pray thank you for joining us today. Remember to like and follow for the next installment of The Loft Podcast. If you want to be a partner with The Loft, you can give on givelify.com. If you need more information, check us out on Facebook or at theloftgathering.com. And of course, join us 1030 Sunday mornings. Hope you have a great week. Till next time.